Hello, you are listening to Digital Digital Get Down, a podcast from the hottest literary power couple in Minnesota. I'm saying this very clearly because I'm going to kick off the show with a little bit of weird news. We have competition in the naming department Uh-oh. of our podcast. What happened? Recently launched our sister podcast. A rival podcast, not sister podcast. The Digital Get Down. Bitches, who did that? But it actually is an InSync tribute podcast. Is it actually? Yes, we can't even be mad. Okay. Their episode number one says, uh, lyrical analysis, digital get down. So they're going to go song by song and provide you 45 minutes of lyrical analysis. That's an aggressive goal. So yeah, give them a subscribe, give us a subscribe, spread the love around. (laughs) Digitally. Yeah. All right. I am drinking rum on a weeknight. It's been a rough <laughs> week of work so far. It's only Tuesday. Um, the good news is that there's fresh mint in it from our garden. Our indoor garden. Mm-hmm. We got a ton of dill if anybody else Help us anybody out. Want, out there wants dill. Help us out. What do we do with dill? Send us some recipe ideas. We'll ship it to you. No, they're going to send us recipe <laughs> ideas. We're not okay. shipping illegal weeds around the state. They're herbs. Um... Do you want to start with good news or bad news today? I feel like it's been weeks and weeks and weeks since we podcasted, and it was like been a little nine while. days ago. It There's was been a lot of bad events, so I feel like you should we should start with those. With bad news? Yeah. All right. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to? Um, are we going to talk about Anthony Bourdain? Is he on your list? I thought he would be on your list. He is on my list. He's obviously the most serious of my list. Yeah, he... Last Friday was a rough day for me personally for a lot of reasons, but just like the, in the world, it was a rough day. Mm. And yeah, I had a really hard time with it. And I would not have said before that I was like a huge fan of his, but... No, whenever, whenever I would have his show on, you would always grimace a little bit. I really like his voice. You like it or don't like I it? I do. Okay. Um, I'm, you just, you know, I don't like nonfiction shows. Yeah, they're like I mini documentaries. I don't. But you love to travel. I love to travel. Yeah, I think it would have been right up your alley. You don't like documentary style shows. So yeah, I can't even say that I was like a super fan by any stretch. You were a fan though. A fan, yeah. I didn't tune in regularly, but when we had Netflix, I would jump around onto his different episodes. Um, And you know, I don't know. I just enjoyed a lot of them. Like I watched one about um, Cambodia and I learned more about Cambodia in 42 minutes than I ever knew about that country. Yeah. Um, I mean, the biggest sadness for me is that, like, one of his quotes that I should have pulled up so I don't horribly misquote it, but it's basically, like, the best thing you can do is, is travel and, and live, life moving, through some, yeah. live life through someone else's eyes and, and through someone else's perspective. And mm-hmm. I have said a lot recently uh, that I think one of the biggest things that America is lacking, or most Americans are lacking, is the this like empathy with other countries? So there's the, this ability to see outside the America centric perspective, mm-hmm. and I think that his um, his perspective on it was really helpful for that. Yeah. He would go to different countries and really show you what it was actually like, and 
go to the people and eat what the common people were eating and mm-hmm. um, see their culture. Even though he was like a w- Western white dude, he never seemed like he was condescending or no. He seemed the opposite, like very humble. Like he was learning from other people. Yeah, he was amazing because he kind of had this snarky attitude and tone to him, but at the same time, he was so open to new adventures and new ideas and stuff. Yeah, I just feel so like it was if, a cool combination. I just feel like if everyone in this country especially people who, like, think America is the best country in the world and that, um, you know, other countries are terrible or whatever, I just think the best thing for this country would be for all everyone to, like, go travel to some other country for mm-hmm. a week or for two weeks or however long and then come back and, and just have that changed perspective of having yeah. seen, seen somewhere else. I was um, just going to say that... Can I read the actual quote? Yeah, sure, go for it. Um, this is one I was thinking of. Move as far as you can, as much as you can, across the ocean or simply across the river. Walk in someone else's shoes or at least eat their food. Open your mind, get off the couch and move. It's good advice. I was just going to say that sometimes I feel like the concept of culture is a little bit BS. Like I don't always necessarily feel like people in a certain area or a certain type of people all like come together in a in the sense of culture. Well, it's a way of stereotyping to some extent. Like, yeah. assuming that everyone has the same traditions and the and same interests goals. And interests and, yeah. Yeah. But I felt like his show really did illustrate that in terms of the places that he went, the people he talked to, the way it was all sort of based around food to start with, but then went into so many different categories of music and entertainment and literature and politics and everything. And you got a grasp of... This really is how you describe a people, even though the individuals within it are unique. Like, he got it. It wasn't just, like, they all wear this type of clothing and yeah. celebrate this holiday. Yeah. Like, I think he got a lot deeper than that. And I think it's something that's lacking in a lot of people, at least in this country. Yeah. So, very sad. Well, right. And it would have been different if it wasn't a suicide. If he had died like um, Steve Irwin... Not saying that Anthony Bourdain did a lot of stunts or things, but if he died, you know, traveling or doing something that he loved, the reaction would have been, I don't know, easier to handle, but it would have been different. It would have just been a little bit more of a straightforward feeling of grief. And I think that when you add suicide to it, it gets a little bit tangled up or people have a different reaction to it. Mm -hmm. Um, I just have a hard time when they give the details yeah, I've tried to avoid most of them. I, it, it it upsets me that he was, like, in the midst of filming. So I, if they continue to show these episodes, I mean, eventually they're going to end, and I, they must have footage of half of a France episode. I meant the actual, like, details about how he killed himself. Like, it really bothers me. The hotel me. bathrobe. Yeah, it bothers me when mm. they give those details. Like, on one hand, I was, I'm like, kind of curious, but on the other hand, I was like, I didn't need to know that, and that just makes it so graphic and horrible and yeah. upsetting. Um, so, yeah, I saw some nasty stuff on Twitter about suicides in general, which was not great discourse. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Are you concerned that suicide rates are rising? Do you think it's a societal, cultural issue, or is it something else? Are they rising across the world, or just in America? That's a good question. I haven't done enough research. Hmm. I don't know. Okay. We're sticking with more bad news? I mean, my bad news are, like, much lighter than that. Do you have any other bad newses, or did that one kind of... Um, I have, I have sport bad newses, which are a different variety, for sure. 
Um, Shohei is hurt. Severely hurt. Your, your keystone player. Yeah. Um, he left a game with a blister, which overnight turned into an elbow injury. Okay. Did he hurt his elbow while trying to heal the blister? I don't think so. I think the Angels were just pulling some crap. So it's still unclear. Some people are saying he needs Tommy John, which would keep him out what? for a year and a half. So it went from a blister to an elbow injury to Tommy, to Tommy John? John? Yeah. Jesus. Some people are saying that he'll be hitting in two weeks and maybe not throwing for a few months. Who are these people? Just baseball people. Bullshit sports analysts that don't know what they're talking about. So that's devastating. And to top it off, Vlad Guerrero Jr. also hurt, also might not play for a few months. Yikes. So. All the things you were excited about in previous The saddest podcasts. fantasy baseball minute ever. All right. Well, I have two sad ones as well. Um, Kelly Marie Tran was forced to flee from social media, specifically Instagram, because of all the haters. Star Wars fanboys. Yeah. Which is just so frustrating. Like, there is, there are enough issues in the world, and people have enough of their own issues with self-esteem and with mm -hmm. depression and anxiety and whatever without people being dicks on the internet for no I feel no like reason. being a cyberbully is like a pretty significant time commitment. So what was she being bullied about, that she didn't deserve to be in Star Wars, or that an Asian person didn't deserve to be in Star Wars? I think it was just she was being bullied about how they didn't like the most recent Star Wars, and it was her fault, and that her character... What? Like, what? Is it, it not June? Like, that was last year's movie. I Move on. But it's just, like, first of all, you, everyone listening knows that we were not huge fans of the newest movie. No. I would never, ever think of sending hate to one of the actors for, like, a writing or casting decision that they had nothing to do with. If you don't like the movie, talk to fucking Disney, like, studios. Yeah. Or talk to George Lucas or talk to Rian Johnson, whatever his name is. Ryan. It's not, it's not, it's just Ryan? I believe so. But it looks like Rianne. Go, continue. Um, like, why, I just don't understand the amount of effort. Like you said, it takes a lot of time. I just don't understand why people put so much emphasis effort into being like hateful assholes like isn't there better things you can invest your time and your energy in mm -hmm. we have to go out and inspire the youth they're astray okay what um, else my other bad news is also one of my kind of upcoming newses or good news but mm -hmm. how to train your dragon the next one part six part three mm -hmm. excluding like the netflix series and stuff toothless so, goes to college Toothless finds a girlfriend. Ooh, or a boyfriend. It's, Toothless is it's straight. It's very much a girlfriend. So uh, it's a little bit heteronormative. But the biggest issue... So the trailer itself was actually really good. And I felt a lot of emotions about it. Because it's all about um, Hiccup and Toothless like being best friends. Which, you know, makes like me very every sad. other movie. <laughs> yeah. But, so I was excited about that. But on the poster, it shows like Toothless. And then it shows like just a white, blue-eyed version of toothless oh so it's a frozen crossover and people were just like what the fuck the whole point of a night fury is that they're black because they hunt at night a white night fury is yeah. stupid and she's not albino because she's got blue eyes so people are like did they have to like go that far to distinguish her as a like gentler softer female of the species by making her a different color it doesn't even i saw a very long thread on twitter about how it doesn't even make sense with like the bird world in terms of bird um sexual dimorphism colors <laughs> Anyways, yep. it turns out... I'm with you. I'm right with you. <laughs> okay. 
It turns out in the tra like in the trailer they explain it a little bit more that she's kind of meant to be a different version of the of the fury, a light fury they call her, and not mm -hmm. a night fury. So he is still meant to be the last night fury. She is kind of meant to be a subspecies or like a cousin, closely related species. White nationalism. <laughs> Don't think that's what white dragonalism. Um. But, yeah, it's just, I'm excited about the movie, but at the same time, it's like, did they have to do the, like, heteronormative, like, let's force these non-human creatures to have girlfriends? Hmm. <sighs> Anything else? No, I've got some good news. But... Okay. Are you going to talk about the French Open as part of your good news? My first good news is all caps, Rafa. Yeah, my good tennis news was that NBC actually televised the last few matches, so my rant from... Last week can be assuaged a bit. Rafa did so good and he was so happy. He was pretty happy. He was pretty good. Uh, I admit this is probably the first time I've watched clay matches, like a couple of clay matches. I watched the women's final and the men's final. Because Roger doesn't play in it and you got butt hurt about it. Yes, That's it is. not why. Yes, it is. Um, I you literally said yesterday that that was why. I still don't, I don't get clay. I like it more. Like, I hear the experts talk about it, and I just nod along, and they go, oh, it bounces higher here, and I go, uh-huh. They go, oh, it's faster here, okay. Oh, you have to be quicker here, but it's okay if you're slower here, and I just nod along. I still don't really get what makes a good clay player versus a bad clay player. We could have played on clay courts in Australia if we paid for it. Remember they yeah. had them? Could have tried it. So I do like that it de-emphasizes the serve a little bit because in the U.S. Open and the Australian Open and especially it's Wimbledon, it's so many aces or, you know, it's hit back and goes out right away. Um, so I like that. The points are longer. I feel like it requires you to be a little bit of a better athlete. But what I was left thinking is I don't get why Roger is not a good clay player because he's not the hardest hitter or the hardest server. He does hit hard and serve well, but he's not the best. He moves well, and he has a lot of spin shots, which I would have thought, you know, would translate well. So I don't understand why Rafa is so, so good and nobody else can even compete. Is it because he's a lefty? No, that never got brought up. I wonder if it has to do with the spin. It's different. I don't know. Um, I would equate it to, from my experience of softball. Mm. Of playing softball on different surfaces. Turf. Like the, no, like infield surfaces I'm talking about. That would be my closest equivalent is when you play on like really dusty soft gravel versus when you play on like really, really hard packed dirt and the way that the ball spins differently off of it. Mm -hmm. I don't know why Rafa is so good at it and Roger can't keep up. Yeah. But I just it has to do with the way the ball Friction. comes with the way the ball comes off the surface. Yeah, it's just, it's just crazy that, yeah, no other sport, surface. I mean, in golf, you have different surfaces every week, but all the players are having to deal with it, and it's just so odd in tennis that you have a two-month period where players who are terrible the rest of the year can be great, I'm not saying that that's Rafa, I'm just talking Excuse about me. other clay Excuse experts, me. and players who are fabulous the other 10 months cannot even win a match. It's just crazy. I think it's really cool. It's I'm watching and I really liked the clay. I think it's really interesting to watch yeah, the, way, shocker. the way the ball moves differently. Shocker yeah. that you love Rafa's best tournament. Yeah. I never watched it before this year, really, though. No? Usually at a bad time. Um, I have also two good tech newses that I think you're going to like. Can I do some of my silly newses first, or do you want to do serious tech news? It's not that serious. I'll just go. Okay. Um... 
with the next release of iPhone software, which you, there's no way it will run on your phone, probably. Um, Apple. I ate a mint leaf. Hold on. Apple. Better than dill. This is this podcast is gonna be plus dill. No. Yeah. Um, Apple is going to allow other mapping applications to work in your CarPlay oh, system. Thank God. You can now. You will now be able to use Google Maps and display it on screen. Also, FaceTime is going to allow like 16 or 32 group chats, something ridiculous. It's going to go from 2 to 16, I think. Not just three-way calling. It's going to yeah. go all the way to... Group yeah, Yikes. meetings. Yikes. Seems okay. a bit excessive. Go. Um, sparkling water is bad for you. That's your good news? Yeah, I hate okay. sparkling water. What's the what's the scientific evidence? I don't know. You just saw the headline and loved it. I skimmed the article and it didn't make a lot of sense, but I was just okay. like I felt vindicated that I that I don't like sparkling water. Down with bubbles. Um Lin Manuel Miranda called himself a Puerto Rican Corey Matthews as part of a thread and it made me really happy because huh. okay. we've been watching rewatching Boy Meets World. You do you, Lynn. Um Kaylee Cuoco on an Instagram story, tried to catch a chicken, and it took her a very long time, and she was very scared of it, and mm-hmm. that also made me feel vindicated, because I'm afraid of chickens, Can and you I try to say the word them. vindicated? Vindicated. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Um, was she chasing it for food, or just recreation? <laughs> she was trying to put it back in the pen with the other chickens. I think they have, like, a farm oh, Rescue mission. Now. Yeah, and she was really struggling with it, and it made me feel better, because I'm also scared of them, and struggle when I have to, like, pick them up and at she's work. She's, like, a queen of Instagram, so this is what... The internet's become. Okay. I just made me feel better personally about my chicken struggles. Good. Maybe you can go give her lessons. Um, there was a really cool dance group on America's Got Talent. Mm-hmm. And they got the golden buzzer. And I always cry when when groups get the golden buzzer because they're so happy. Because straight to the finals? Straight Is that what to it the means? finals, okay. yeah. Um, African gorillas learn to dismantle poacher traps. Huh. Isn't that really cool? Cool. Um, did you see the video of the dad dancing the ballet routine on stage? No. It was really cute. His, his daughter was probably like three or four, and she was crying up on stage at her dance recital, and because she did, and she didn't want to do it, and she was scared. So he went up on the stage and did the dance oh, like wow. next to her and held her hand and did all the moves while holding like a six month old baby. Ballsy. It was super impressive. Hmm. And the last one is a serious one. Um, a trans bill just passed in New Hampshire to make it illegal to discriminate against someone for being transgender. Good. In all forms? I believe so. Okay. So that was happy news. Rock on. Happy political news. Everyone's which... dying from opioids, but we got that at least. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it's a happy note to end on. Do you have anything else? No, I think we'll give you 30 seconds to do an advertisement. we got a, we got an action-packed show, so we got to keep okay. it moving. Um, we are sponsored this weekend, every week until further notice, <laughs> by bookdigits.com, com. You can go on, make a free book reviewing account. You can keep track of your to-read list. You can have accomplishments. You can mm-hmm. set a reading goal for the year. You can we have our first Red Diamond you want to member. You a shout-out? Who is it? No idea. <laughs> um, what diamond status are you at? I'm blue. Are we at the same? Are we both blue? Pretty sure. So you can go on and compete with us. I'm also at blue. Um, track what book you're currently reading. Um, and Tricky. 
1999. Congratulations, oh, Red Diamond. I'm sure they're listening. So yeah, join booktidgets.com. Okay. I think we should talk about books first. All right, you're super excited about these books. Can I just Oof. say... Oof. Wait, first. The children love the books. Mm -hmm. Can I just say that for all of the shit you give me for the books that I recommend slash make you read... Yeah, honey, it's all about... Was it worth it for these ones? It's all about batting average. Yeah. You don't, you don't celebrate the guy who's hitting 050 because he got one home run. Ouch. <laughs> I was going to say it's more like grade averages. If you get three if you get three A pluses and a couple Cs, you're still coming out pretty good. Out. Okay, we both have our metaphors. Whatever. Ouch. Um, what are we talking about? We are talking about Illuminae and Gemina. You mentioned these of books. Of the Illuminae files. On the by, podcast a long time ago, probably. Yeah. In the Australian days. By Amy Kaufman and... No. Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I read the first one in Australia, so year two years ago maybe? I think it was about two years. And yeah. then the second one came out, and I read that one maybe like last year. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, you didn't even know the third one was coming out. I knew it was coming out. I didn't realize it was out already. So the third one is out. We're going to be reading it over the next couple of weeks and so saving it for another episode. Right now. Yeah. Um, so we're going to do the first two combined together because I read them both a while ago. and you. I read, read them both in a week. Which I don't know if you've ever read back-to-back -back books from a series before. Well, part of it was to get my next book digits achievement. Yeah, I know. So there's that. Yeah. You couldn't stand that I was at Blue Diamond and you weren't yet. So, Illuminae. How shall we describe it? It's young adult-esque So let me, in its let me do the vague description and okay. you can do that detailed description. Fill in some holes. So, yeah, it's definitely young adult. It's young adult sci-fi. Yeah. Set in kind of some sort of, I don't want to say post-apocalyptic, but just futuristic. No, deep future. Like future. Deep like space deep space future. future. Yeah. Um, space travel Actually, future. they have the year. They're not shy about telling you when it is. It's 2575. So, 550 years from now. Yeah. Approximately. Give or take. Um, so it is a futuristic sci-fi type of novel. The first book, um, has kind of overarching themes of artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. And, um, government corruption. Yeah, to a degree. I mean, it's or a, corporate corruption. Yeah, it's a space opera, though. It's like in the vein of a star. The first one's in the vein of Star Wars. I don't really know what a space opera means. Still, when there are ships flying and drama between them, and who's going to fire against who, and do we have enough thrusters? That's a space opera. And then the second one has to do with um, royalty, weirdly, sort of, yeah. but mostly about. Um, well, it does have to do with, like, social classes. Yep, true. Um, but a lot about time and, mm. like, black holes. A little bit. And inter-space travel. Mm-hmm. Um, so the interesting thing is that book one and book two focus on very different characters. Yeah. Which I know you were a little bit upset about. A little bit miffed. So the first book focuses on Katie and... Ezra. And Ezra. And they've broken up at the beginning. Yeah. And they've also had their home planet area destroyed as well. Yeah. Um, and at the beginning, you're very kind of blind to what exactly happened to force them into this space race with the bad guys. Mm -hmm. But you do get some of the details filled in. Basically, they were living in this 
in on this kind of outer planet that colony colony right that had like a sort of illegal mining facility to mine some mineral yeah and a large corporation sent a bunch of ships to take over the colony and in the process they wiped out like the vast majority of the people living on it yeah some people were able to escape including katie uh ezra her mother and a few other people yeah um, on a total of three ships, which is important, but and they damaged a good portion of the bad guys' fleets, fleet, but not all of them, and they're being hunted by like the one primal ship. Yeah, and it's a little bit Star Wars esque, at least the most recent Star Wars. Right, Lost it reminded Jedi, me of that a lot. In that, well, I read it before yeah. that movie, but um, in that, the main drama is that trying to outrun the enemy ship, but running very low on resources mm -hmm. and fuel and trying to uh, figure out the time it will take them to get to a safe place and if the enemy ship is going to overtake them before that point. Correct. Um, so there's a lot of updates of that within the story. It does not really like chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. I was going to say, I think we have to talk about the format because that is certainly I, the most creative element and the most interesting for me. I was afraid you were going to hate it. No. Um, so it Loved is it. not, it starts off a little bit more of narr like regular narration, if I remember. Like um, text, like just It starts out text. more like... Um, Diary. Epistolary. Yeah, epistolary. And I thought, okay, it's going to be futuristic epistolary. Like chat logs sure. and, right. and emails and stuff like that. And then it gets real weird part of the way through when the AI oh, comes yeah. in. Oh, yeah. That is the best there's part. There's some weird, like, um, you have to move the page around to read the yes. text. Yes. So the most important thing to say about the Illuminae series is do not read it on a Kindle. Mm. Certainly do not. It would be impossible to follow and yeah. impossible to get... The, what they're going for with the way that they've set it up. Right. So me of three years ago, when I was just Kindle-focused, literary fiction, head down, you're right. I would have picked this up and been like, this is dumb. Yeah. But the way it's told, it, it becomes so addicting and such a page-turner because every page looks different. So you want to say, well, what the heck is this? I have to keep reading to figure out what this yeah. is. Yeah, and it almost makes it... Um it still feels exciting as you're reading through it, even though it's quite long, because it's not like you're reading the same wall of text every single page. It's Definitely like you're reading not. a chat log, and then you're reading an email, and then you're reading a transcript of a security camera, and yeah. it mixes it up and keeps Always the book... Always fresh. Yeah, keeps the book feeling really fresh and fast-moving, even though it's quite a long, dense book. Yeah, they're all like over 600 pages, but I, I flew through... The first one especially. I was like shocked that you liked the first one as much as you did. I thought that you might like it and you'd be really interested in Got the AI. Full a in the AI bits book of digits it. From me. Never give A's. Very rarely. Like A minuses maybe. You never give A's. No, I would like to own the first one in, in hardback. I was not expecting this response from you. I was hoping that you would like it, but I was not expecting you to fly through it, like be like talking about it as you we were reading, like yeah. just like couldn't even like stay in your own head while reading it, and then like, I don't like sci-fi as a rule, especially in books. Yeah. I don't like Star Wars or space drama. You don't as like a young rule. adult generally. Not really, no. And yet you liked this book. Loved it. Yeah. So can I get a? You were right about this book. You were right. Home run. Okay. A plus. Grand salami. Um. So, admittedly, it has been a little bit longer since I have read this. Yeah. I'm not as uh, fresh on it as you are but 
I really liked the overall plot. I thought it was interesting, and like like we said, the way that they keep it fresh and show you a bunch of different perspectives without feeling like it's overwhelming or like a crutch. Yeah. Um, no, it's definitely not gimmicky. I like... I mean, it is, but it's not. I like the characters, but my biggest complaint was like there wasn't enough young adult romance. I, yeah, I read in your review that you didn't buy into the romance, which... I just didn't think there was enough room for it to develop. I thought it got so um, downplayed or shoved aside in favor of the bigger oh, pictures. You're wrong about that, okay. first of all. Um, so, I'm a sucker for flirting in books. We know that. And these authors, well, maybe it's the dual authors. I'm not saying that, you know, the female author only wrote the female-centric parts and the male did the male parts. But they have their flirting formula down to a T, which I'll talk about in the second book. Um... So the flirtation in the beginning is good because, like I said, they've broken up at the beginning. So Ezra is desperate to get Katie back. Katie's saying, I'm not going to forgive you for this unknown thing that you did. Yeah. So he's constantly trying to woo her back. And she slowly and slowly is coming around to it. And then we won't spoil things, but you think that they've both lost everything on a couple of different times. And magical things happen. I just felt like... Towards the middle and the end of the book, it just got overshadowed, and I didn't feel like there was enough. Like, I didn't feel like... I, I agree with it at the beginning, like, the flirting, their dynamic, and, and their banter is really good, but yeah. then I just thought it kind of got a little bit lost as the story went on with the yeah. other developments. Part of the issue is that they're geographically separated for the entire book. So yeah. she is on one ship, and he is on another. He's being forced into... Conscript, conscripted into being a pilot in their new army, ad hoc army, she is an expert hacker, and these books suffer a little bit from hacker pop culture, where it's like, she typed a bunch of keys, and all of a sudden she's in every system, and yeah. even though they have the uh, monitors and stuff, and... but she's able to get around it. And I was actually okay with it in this one. I was like, yeah, I'll go with but it. But it's the future. It's 500 True. years in the future. Like, and they're in space, and maybe she is a really good hacker. Yeah. So she's like the brains of the operation... There's a whole kind of side plot with one of the... Well, it's not a side plot. It's part of the major plot with the third ship. I'll just say that not all three ships survive. Yeah. And the disease... So there's a zombie point. sort of storyline. Yeah. That got super intense and kind of scary. Yeah. And I normally hate zombie, you know, stories as well. So, yeah. this On paper, this wouldn't be a good match for me. But. And that's why you resisted reading it for a long time. I believe it was one of the last ones of my it's giant It's close. We're almost down list. to the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I loved it. I didn't like the very last few pages, which I think leads into why I didn't love the second book, Gemina, as much. Um, but yeah, it's a fun ride. It's a real fun ride. I am not taking this enthusiastic about a book, especially not a book that I've recommended. Yeah, I don't while. like talking about things I like that much, so can we talk about the second book now? You still like, what did you give the second book? A B minus. Really? Did yeah. I ever read your review for the second book? You didn't upvote it. That's for damn sure. I oh, I didn't know what the book of the week was this week. I'm excited yeah. for that one. Um, I don't think I read your review of the Why second book. Why don't you book. give a dramatic reading of it? Here it comes, folks. Okay. The authors execute the same formula that made the first installment such a brilliant success. Drama flows from every page, both at a large intergalactic scale and through intimate relationships. But the timing here is slightly off. The plot unfolds in the course of a single day, forcing characters to experience love, loss, and heroism in a rush. Also, the format gets less experimental, relying too much on the prosy camera summaries. 
Hopefully the second book syndrome won't hold back the finale. Yep. Well said. Um, so do I get to do it? Are you going to do a dramatic rating? Okay, sure. Now, then? Yeah. From Circo, when's this it, from? I gave it a B plus. 2017, almost exactly a year ago. Oh, yeah. This book just about lives up to the potential from the first book. Just about. The unique narration style gets a bit tiresome midway through, but the new cast of characters are better developed than those from Illuminae, and the twist at the end will keep the reader flipping pages as fast as possible. I'm interested to read the next book and see how all of these characters come together. What? So, for me... Uh, what I was trying to get at in my review is this is, feels like a bottle episode of like a TV show. Okay. Where like you 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 know feels like a Star Trek episode. Yeah, like you're okay with kind of the setup and the plot and stuff, but it's just so smushed that it doesn't feel complete. You're eating a lot of Got meat. another mint leaf. Um. So yeah, Illuminate takes place over. Like a month, I think. It's like a really long trek across. I think it's like three and a half weeks. Like yeah. almost a month, yeah. Because um, it starts off as like three weeks to... Yeah, that's what that's what whatever. I think of that. And this one is literally, I think, 24 hours. And so... And you're introduced to a brand new cast of characters. Now, in your review, you're saying they're well-developed. I wouldn't necessarily argue with that. But like I said, it's just rushed. Because they have to have loved ones die. They have to fall in love. They have to come up with plans. They have to fight the bad guys. And it's just a lot to pack in. I just felt like, like I said, what was my review for the first one? I just felt like with the first one, I I really, I thought the format and the writing and the um, unique narration style was really tight. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that they lost the characterization or the 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 relationship development between the two characters as the story went on. Yeah. Like, I feel like it kind of faded or got edited out or something, and I just didn't really feel a strong thread for those characters through the whole story. I felt like that it dropped off at different points, mm -hmm. and it didn't leave me as invested in their relationship, and I felt the second story... Oh. I felt like this the second book had better... I cared more about the characters, I guess, mm -hmm. or I felt more invested in the characters. And maybe it is because of that condensed timeline that you, um, it's not so much like a slow burn of the characters that you have to, it has to be very immediate and very, um, visceral because it's like happening in real time really fast. Yeah. Um, so. So the second yeah. book takes place I gave, on. I gave the second book a lower grade as well. I gave okay. the second book a B plus and the first book an A. Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah, Gemina takes place on a uh, kind of a, a space station that uh, controls one of the black hole, wormholes, whatever it is. And you find out mm. that it's the space station that in the first book they're heading towards. Correct. So they actually overlap time-wise, correct? E they're yes. concurrent to some point. It's not a... It doesn't... Mm. It's close. I think it might be immediately after. Because they don't reach... It's close. Okay. Yeah. It's either immediately after or overlapping a bit with the first book. Right. But you don't really hear from your characters from book one. You hear about them very True. obliquely. And one family member. Yeah. Uh, but this second book, Gemina, focuses on Hannah, who is the space station captain's daughter. So that's what you're getting at in terms of royalty and upper class. Oh, yeah. Class. They call her princess and stuff, right? Yeah. So it's called princess by her 
rogue lover Nick, who's in with the underworld of drug trafficking and things. The mob or of the space. Or yeah. But of course, she has a princely boyfriend who was in the royal guard. Yes, whatever they call with a it. British accent, and so Nick has to try to woo her away. And and yeah, there are the same elements in terms of the format. There are chat logs, especially at the beginning. Um, but I felt like the format got stale in this one because a lot of the book focuses on those video transcripts, which is essentially just a cheeky way of writing of doing like a third, third person, person. Yeah, yeah. text. I agree with you there. I thought the kind of unique premise and narration style was much tighter and worked better in the first one. Mm -hmm. And in the second one, it struggled or a little bit or got kind of tiresome partially, yeah. partially through. I just realized why I liked the characters in this book better, though. Why? I'm a sucker for a good rogue. Like yeah. bad boy with a heart of gold kind Ugh, of thing. God. Yeah. One of my first, like, favorite characters of literary crushes was George Cooper from um, the Alana books. Yeah, I see the overlap here. Yeah, and he's, like, he's the king of thieves, but he's actually oh, a good God. guy deep down. Heart of yeah. gold, right. Yeah. Um... So yeah, again, the flirtation in this book is pretty good. Um, part of the problem that it runs into is, like we said, in the first book, the characters are geographically dispersed, so all the chat logs make a lot of sense. In this book, they actually are sort of together for a good chunk of time. Yeah, and I think that's the struggle. And yeah, so it struggles a little bit there. And obviously you wouldn't want it to be the exact same setup of this chat log in chapter three or whatever, yeah. but the forced proximity of them being on the same space station yeah. does change the dynamic a bit of the narration. Also, it lost a little bit of the emotional value for me because there are some significant deaths early on in the book. Yeah. But, you know, tying back to my theme here about it all being a very short timeline, like, a couple of the characters lose, like, direct family members, and they're, like, making sarcastic puns in chat logs, like, three pages later. And I get that the authors had to keep pushing, had to keep the tone of the book. And they were like kind in an of emergency light. situation, so they probably weren't processing it. I know. I just, uh, a few times I was like, really? Your dad kind of just died. You're going to be making poop jokes right now? I, that didn't, I didn't notice that, but okay. Um, yeah, and we have to talk about the bad guys a little bit. You're going to yell at me because you already did one time. Yeah, go ahead. So in book one... I thought it was fascinating how the bad guys had a name. You knew the name of the corporation, and you knew that they were in chase, but you did not see them or hear from them or really feel them at all. You can't see me, listeners, but I am shaking my head and rolling my eyes at the same time, because if you remember back to episode <laughs> one, dear listeners, when in, we were talking about the captive then. prince books, yeah. and your biggest complaint specifically about the third book yeah. was that the villain was off screen, so you didn't really feel his presence or didn't feel threatened by him, hmm. and that made it not work for you. And you're saying the exact same you thing as what think, made it work you. You don't for think you. there's a chance that the authors presented those scenarios in different ways? Maybe I'm, I'm just trying to pay these authors a compliment. I'm sure there's a chance of that. I'm just saying it's a little bit hypocritical of you. That's I, I agree. I've had different different takes on this through the years. Okay. But it really became more apparent to me in book two where the bad guys appear, you know, present tense yeah. in the action almost on page one. Yeah. And they are bad guys. They are villains. 
I don't know how else to describe them, though. There are, like, 20 of them? Like, every few pages, there's a full-page picture of all 20 faces, and the authors cross oh, yeah. out each one as they die. But it was, like, too many bad guys. It was realistic that this terrible corporation would send that many villains, but it, it didn't work for me. Like, I wasn't actually scared by any of them, because I could kind of sense that they were all slowly getting defeated. But... Yeah, I didn't really love that part of the setup. Do you want to talk about things that you did like? Because, like, a B is still a pretty decent grade for you. Yeah. Compared to some other books that we've talked about. I mean, specific to book two, you're saying? Yes. Did you hate the uh, mild spoilers here? Did you hate the time aspects of it? Because that's what I was really Not worried particularly. about with book two for you. Because you've str we'll talk about that a little bit later with one of our movies. But you've yeah. struggled a bit with time paradoxes or... Uh, alternate universes or whatever you want well, to Well, my it. favorite character from book one, Aiden, who is the computer AI, yeah. he reemerges for a little bit in book two. So that's partially what kept me enthralled. Okay. And because he's trying to help spearhead this wormhole time warp thing, I was kind of on board with it. Okay. Because you were endeared to him from the first It book. was a little bit cheesy in terms of how it has to happen with their romantic arc. Yeah. But yeah, it was fine. I just really liked Nick, so it worked for me. Sure. Um, anything else to say? I'm looking... I, I assume book three is going to be fantastic because everything has to collide. I want to review it on book two, just as an A+. Plus. Okay. Um, so we'll get to that and we'll do a, a review of it on the podcast once we've both had a chance to read it. And that will be fresh in both of our minds, hopefully. Yeah. Um, do you have any just overall comments about the series so far or like a you know, two-sentence recommendation for someone who is on the fence or had never even heard about it? Um, I mean, my is it biggest... Worth the hype? It's worth our hype, I think. I think we've already covered my biggest advice, which is pick it up in hardback, physical form. Yeah. Don't be scared off by the dual authors. Sometimes I've been nervous about that in the past. Hey, autobiography was dual authors, and you liked that one, too. True. So, yeah, give it a go. Cool. Get sucked in to the wormhole. Okay. That would be my one sentence. So do you want to tie that into our uh, movies that we're talking about oh, today? Oh, Mary. Mary, we're trying to talk about four things in one episode. Yeah. So we've got two movies to talk about that are both sci-fi movies. We definitely need to talk about the movie we watched more recent first. first. Yeah. Because if we start with the other one, we'll get caught yeah. <laughs> ironically in a, <laughs> in a little bit of a loop. Um, so yeah, go ahead and introduce... So, the mo this the movie that we're talking about today is entirely my fault, and by that, I mean it's entirely Gina Rodriguez's fault. Um, and Natalie Portman, to a lesser degree. For you. Yeah. Um, she's not on my list. My order would be Gina Rodriguez, Oscar, Oscar Isaacs, Tessa Thompson. Women you'd like to kiss? People. Oh. Oscar Isaacs is a man. Really? My list of attractiveness from that movie specifically. Oh, I thought you meant in all of America no, right now. Okay. From that got movie. It, got it, got it. You're saying Natalie Portman was your reason for watching the movie because yeah. she has sex in it. I was True. saying my reason in terms of eye candy. Mm -hmm. Gina Rodriguez. Yeah. Oscar, Oscar Isaacs. Creepy Tessa Oscar Thompson. Isaac. Okay. Keep going. Um, did we even say the title of the movie yet? Annihilation. It's Annihilation, which is from a book that I did not care to read. The Southern Reach trilogy or yeah, whatever. Yeah, which I just didn't, it didn't have great reviews, so I didn't really want it to read it. It has mixed reviews. Some people, like, swear by it as, like, the best fiction in the last ten years. I just didn't like, buy into that hype, so I never read it. And I did something 
atypical for me, which was like, fuck it, I don't feel like reading the book. I don't, I'm not interested to read the book, let's just watch the movie. Yeah. So I can see Gina Rodriguez. And it um, was a mistake, <laughs> I would say. Um, it was much more of a horror film than I expected. I thought it was going to be more sci-fi, and to me there was a lot of horror or quite scary aspects that I was not prepared for, okay. because despite the fact that we talked about a scary, quote-unquote, scary movie last week, um, this one was fucking terrifying. <laughs> um, the main premise of Annihilation is that there is this kind of zone, like Stranger Things-esque type zone, yeah. where weird shit happens and people go in and don't come out. Um, and it's an expanding zone and like people would just basically go crazy. Shimmer. What's it called? Ripple the Shimmer. The yeah. Shimmer. yeah. So they call it the Shimmer. So, uh, Oscar Isaacs is in the army and he goes into the Shimmer unbeknownst to his wife, um, Natalie Portman. He right. comes back. Does he? He comes back and like, he's just missing and she hasn't, hasn't heard from him. He just shows years. up. Years. Like a year. He just like shows up in their house with no recollection of how he got there and then just starts like gushing blood and then an ambulance comes except then like the government takes over the ambulance and takes him Mm -hmm. away to a special treatment facility and Natalie Portman's just like what the fuck is happening so she gets brought to this facility that's close like an army base that's closest to this shimmer area and volunteers herself because she's a scientist volunteers herself to go on the next team that's investigating the shimmer to try and figure out what the fuck happened to her husband in there. Did you do that for me? No. (laughs) Okay. Same, same for me. Okay. Cool. Cool. I'd cry a lot. Yeah. I mean, why did she volunteer to go? I don't know. She seemed a little fucked up. She, she had cheated, her own, slept with black dudes. She had her own issues mm. uh, in the movie, her own demons, you could say. Could say. Um, so she goes with an all. She chick goes group. with an all female group, and I really that was one of my. Part that was one of my few positive comments. Was like only once do they even make that a thing that it's like an all woman group, and Natalie Portman basically says all woman, all women, and Gina Rodriguez says no, all scientists. And that's the end of it. Nice. And I really liked that. That it wasn't... I didn't think it was, like, played in the movie as, like, look at us, Lady Ghostbusters kicking ass. Oceans it was just, 4 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it was just kind of like, these are the scientists that are going to go in and hopefully they'll be more successful than the um, soldiers that went in before. Yeah, maybe give them all more than one gun, though. Or train them on their guns a little better. A little bit, yeah. A little bit more preparation. If you're worried the entire world's going to collapse under this bubble, maybe find people a little bit more trained. it was a suicide mission. They were just like, I can't hurt, and just like sent the lady scientists in. Yeah. Um, I, how much more a plot do you want to give me to give? They find some fucked up shit in there. Yeah. Um, You have to explain the DNA bit a little bit. Go ahead. Try to woman explain it to me. Ow. Um... They basically call it, like, the prism effect or something, in that, like, the DNA, the DNA of, of everything. The, Science plane is the what pla- I should say. The plants and the, the people and everything, and the animals. The flora and the fauna. The flora and the fauna, including the humans, is being basically scrambled, like, kaleidoscope style, and put back together in weird combinations, um, or every time the DNA replicates, it gets, like, scrambled up and put back together, um... Which 
did not work for me as a science person. <laughs> I, Wouldn't the people's bodies have exploded like within three seconds? It's less the explosion and more just that like you can't tell me that their current the the DNA that makes up their current body is being switched around and they're still like functioning. I can understand if you're like the every time they make a new skin cell, for example, yeah. it gets it gets scrambled around and something different happens and it mutates. They're like internal organs. Are but you, yeah, you're supposed to believe that like their active body as is, is all of a sudden like the DNA is being scrambled and that makes weird things happen. Just and it's so like, we that's, can have a gigantic what would, crocodile. What would really happen bear. with some sort of weird mutation is that like 99% of the mutations would just not be viable. So that new cell would die or not yeah. be able to replicate. So to have it be like, look, flowers in every color because our DNA is being put through a prism. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, the guy who wrote it, that doesn't seem to be very science-based to me. Okay. So I struggled with that in the movie because that's supposed to be kind of the main horror of the movie is, like, oh, my God, our DNA is being rearranged right now and our body's going to do something crazy and we can't control it and my eyeballs are bleeding. And it's, <laughs> like, I I was just sitting there kind of with my head tilted being, like, that's – what? That's not how it works. So it didn't, that aspect didn't really work as like a scary world ending kind of thing because I was like, that's bullshit. Yeah. Um, and they didn't even really try to explain it very well. Like if they no. tried to give it a proper scientific explanation, the only thing they did was like put it underneath a microscope and you could see like her cells like replicating really fast and like turning fun colors and shapes. And I was like, that's <laughs> not, it, it didn't work for me. Okay. Like I wish they had either left it more vague like, didn't try to science it, yeah. or gave it a scientific explanation that made sense. I thought this a trilogy, m- midway you know, kind of thing that they did didn't work for me. More movies to come, maybe. Not for Not me. Not for you. Um, I also didn't really think the flashback style worked. Yeah, more disorienting than anything. Yeah, like, they tried to have it be, like, so that she had come out of the prism, or the shimmer, she and was then was her, telling... Like, exit interview. Yeah, she was giving her exit interview, telling what happened. And I guess that lets you know that she survived... Mm-hmm. But it doesn't I, give you much confidence in the other people. It just didn't really work for me. It didn't add very much to the story for me. I think yeah. just like a straight story would have been more suspenseful to me versus once in a while going back out to the flashback interview style. Yeah. Um, I also didn't need like the lover's infidelity and stuff. Like, the, like you're saying, I guess, maybe she had to have her demons in order to inspire her to go in, but... Like, that world was creepy enough and had enough to explore in it that I didn't care if she cheated on her husband six months earlier. Yeah, those flashbacks didn't really do it for me either. Um, My other notes was that I I would still sleep with Gina Rodriguez even after she goes crazy. Okay. Um, Even if she's twirling a gun in her hand. Yeah, I thought it was pretty hot. Other aspect was that that scene with the bear was fucked up. Yeah. Like, and that's what I guess everyone says, like, the bear scene. Yeah. Fucking scary. You were calling it like a giant rat because it, it had like a, a weird rat, face. Yeah. But that, like one of the creepier parts that, again, doesn't make quite a lot of sense is that like things kind of got combined. Like basically something could absorb the DNA of something else. So in this case, like this giant fucked up bear absorbed the DNA of one of their team members that he ate. Yeah. And so every time he's opened his mouth, it sounded like her screaming, help me, help me, help me. So it was her last words. Because it was like yeah. her last words. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I could not even watch that part. You can maybe do a description of what my face looked like during that scene. But well, I just like had my hands over my eyes and my ears and was just like staring in like abject horror at the screen of like, why did I decide to have us watch this movie? Yeah. 
And then it actually gets weird at the end. Like, that part seems normal compared to some I of the end I didn't like the game. faceless things at the end. Those creeps me out as well. Mm. And then, yeah, there's some... I, I, I guessed correctly, like, mm. about midway through the movie, though. Like I've had a sense that someone or something was not was as not genuine. Was not as it appeared. Um, so, did it make me think? Sure. Did I... Do I think that the... Uh, science aspects of it were particularly well done or made a lot of sense? No. Do I think it was particularly effective, the narration style that they used? No. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just thought it leaned a little bit too much on this, like, horror um, revulsion kind of feelings yeah. versus, like, typical sci-fi. I mean, that's why some people like it, is that it's I a little bit crushed on I liked it better genre, than our but... movie last week. I liked it better than A Quiet Place. Did you? Yeah. I did not at all. Hmm. I disagree with that. I don't know. I like movies where I'm like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. That's all right. I I don't mind movies with that, but when they try to make... I just... You know I have a struggle with science sometimes. Like, there's a limit to my suspension of disbelief with science things, yeah. and this one just, like, pushed me over that. Okay, talking about disbelief, we have will give us about four minutes to talk about. Four minutes? Yeah. All right. So the biggest movie that this was compared to, um, and also goes harkens back to the books we talked about earlier, is Arrival. Whew. So Arrival is one that has been on our list for this podcast, like since the like the beginning. beginning of this podcast. Um, Mainly because we, every time we talk about it, or we recently rewatched it, we end up getting the same circular <laughs> arguments every single time. Um, so I keep saying we should do it on the podcast because we have a lot to talk about it, but then it's like, do we want to have the same argument for the eighth There's time? not much to talk about, but um, we could talk so for a long time. Arrival has stars Amy Adams <laughs> and Hawkeye. What's his name? Jeremy, Ren- Jeremy Renner. Renner. Yeah. Um, and... It is a closer to near future yeah. um, sci-fi. Aliens have arrived. Aliens have arrived on the Earth. and Via eight egg-shaped things. Yes. Giant eggs. Um, so some of my notes from recently re-watching it were that I thought it had really good visuals. I thought it's like a kind of pretty movie to watch and I think they do a very good job with like the cinematography of it which I don't yeah. always notice in movies but yeah. I think some of like the views that they use and stuff are really effective mm-hmm. and they do a really good job with like the sound editing which is another thing I don't usually notice but yeah. like the music versus the silence versus the sound effects is really effectively done sure. in Arrival and really tightly done um I like 95% of this movie, so you're not going to like get any like big arguments on these points. First of all, I just to say that the first time we watched it was at an outdoor movie theater. Yeah, not and I feel choice. like I feel like you have to put an asterisk next to all of those. For all I know, Zoolander 2 could be really, really good. I don't think so. I don't think so, but it could it especially be. especially did not work for Australian audiences. No. <laughs> um, I, so I thought... A lot of aspects about Arrival were interesting. I feel like I'm not going to do it justice today with how late it's gotten and how much we've talked already, but um, I think it's, like, scarily realistic in terms of what would happen if this really happened in this day and age. The international bits, you're saying? Yes, the international bits and, like, the army bits and how we react to um, 
any outside creatures as if they're immediately a threat. Yeah. And, like, why the hell would you try and attack them when they obviously have technology so much better than ours? Yeah. And, like, the first instinct is just to, like, attack and uh, try and fight them or, I don't know. It's just frustrating to see how the international, how little it takes for, like, the international cooperation mm-hmm. to to cease or to fall apart and to have everyone go back into like their isolationist stances. Yeah. But I think that's super realistic. I mean, we're seeing it now with our own government about rejecting our allies and it's crazy. So, um, I love the linguistics part of it. Yeah. I found that interesting. Um, I, I especially find it interesting in terms of, we'll get to this a little bit in more detail later, but like that the language you speak determines how you think. Yes. In general, because that is a like real concept mm-hmm. um, that like how much language makes up culture, mm-hmm. and I find that really interesting. Look at us coming a full circle. As someone, as someone who like kind of speaks a second language and has lived in a country that speaks a different language, mm-hmm. just seeing people's personalities and how their like society is shaped by how they speak, and I think you've noted before that I have a little bit of a different personality or different tone when I speak in Spanish. Yeah, yours annoying as fuck. Thanks. Um, but I think that is, like, a real thing, that even within one person, that when you speak a different language, that it manifests differently. Multiple personality disorder. <laughs> sure. Um, so, and and there is, like, scientific proof that, like, the pathways in your brain are different depending on, like, what your native language is. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. Back to the movie. I'm not sure that I would have hired a like a translator expecting them to be able to translate alien speak. I never understood how Forrest Whitaker thought that was going to work. Yeah, one of my comments is, where would the, where the fuck would you even start to translate that language? Like, out of okay, yes. He's just like, here, translate this. And she's like, what, what does fuck? this mean? Yeah, okay, yeah. I heard two common consonants or something. Like, that part is just so dumb. It's like, unless you know that they're going to have some sort of text visual language, like, she would provide absolutely no value to the situation. Yeah, I mean, obviously, in terms of coming at how to teach them the language, that was something that like, sure. the army couldn't have figured out, and she had to argue with them a lot about that. But, yeah. yeah, some of the stuff they expect from her at the beginning, like, it escalates very quickly. Get it? Yeah. And they're kind of just like, I kind of grown this. in the first half hour where it's just like, okay, let's just get her in there. I almost don't care about, you know, how it happened. Just get her into yeah, the situation. Yeah, exactly. that's the interesting part. And yeah. Amy Adams, like, it's a crime that she did not get, like, nominated for things. I think she did. She, Pretty sure she, she didn't did. win. Okay, but you said nominated. I didn't think she got nominated for an Oscar. Pretty sure she did. Anyway, she was fantastic. Um, I think this was an interesting movie to watch a second time. Yeah. Um, knowing what you find out at the end of the movie, to watch it a second time and see how that how that progresses through the middle of the movie. I, I knew it the first time through, too. I didn't. Mm. I didn't. Um, yeah, it baffles me that some people don't. I didn't. I didn't get it. You didn't know what the the scenes... You didn't know when the scenes with the daughter were. Correct. <laughs> okay. I was confused about them. I wasn't... Mm. But I wasn't positive about them. I was, okay. Yeah. Um, so... Do you want to talk about the part that, like, always yeah, the five percent that you don't like? Let's get into it. Do you it. want to talk about things you do like first? Because I've just been mostly talking. I said I agreed with everything you talked about. It's okay. a really enthralling movie, and I really like once once they figure out the the written language and they get into it and they try to share data between the sites, and then everything goes to hell, of course. So Amy Adams has to find a way to save the world, 
And how is she going to bring about global peace? Can I just say that mm. I, you know that I get very attached to things very easily, but they did a very good job of, of getting me emotionally invested in the aliens who like don't speak any sort of language and you don't really see them. Just like, I still amorphous felt, blobs. I still felt a lot of feelings about how the ending plays out. Or the well, you shouldn't, ending. honey, because it was all going to happen because it was in a loop and they knew it was going to happen. So you can't feel anything. No, emotions aren't real. So Amy Adams has to save global diplomacy. She doesn't know how she's going to do it, though. Future Amy Adams does, though. So let's get right to the most important scene of the movie. What's the setup, actually? Is it China's threatening to blow theirs up, or what is it? It's that China has decoded a message from their aliens saying that they have a weapon. Mm -hmm. And basically they freak out and say that we are not going to share this information with the rest of the world because they're, like, threatened by it and they're ready to, like, nuke their... Even though weapon and tool are synonyms for these people. Correct. So that's what Amy Adams figures out, is that weapon, the distinction between weapon and tool or resource or something like that is, has not been, like, made to them. Mm -hmm. And, like, the, the words can be used so interchangeably that... Um, there's no threat, There's actually. no threat. Or there doesn't necessarily need to be a threat. Mm -hmm. um, but all of the other countries have already gone black, and China is basically threatening to, like, nuke their... Um, is it... I think so. Like, they're going to, like, yeah. try and blow up their alien thing because they think it has a weapon. Right. That's going to threaten them. Um, so she basically has to figure out a way to get everyone to work together again and to save their aliens. Mm -hmm. Within minutes. And, and to try and, like... like scrape something together to, to salvage all of the stuff that they've worked on before the aliens disappear. Mm -hmm. um, so this is the part where we get mm. angry. So I guess um, spoilers, if you, we definitely have to talk about the ending if we're going to yeah. talk about it. So spoilers, if you haven't seen it, and I definitely recommend watching if you haven't seen it. So basically what happens is that this, alien race has a like circular language mm -hmm. and they describe it as being outside of time in that like there's no beginning and end to the sentence it's like one thought and they know the full thought when they say it right um because they don't view time differently they don't not view time linearly like we do mm -hmm. um and you can argue whether or not it's because of their language that they don't view time linear linearly or vice versa they don't view time linearly because of their language but mm. Um, essentially the idea is that if you become fluent enough in their type of language, the circular language they use, then you also can view time uh, non-linearly. Yeah. And that's where I, it starts to lose me. And so basically because Amy Adams was like the only, you know, expert linguist on it and had... It sounds genius because it, it works so well with what you were talking about, about how... You know, when you talk in a different language, you start to think in a different language, and it changes your views and your personality. And so that lines up perfectly. I just don't buy the BS about time. And you always struggle with time plots of things. Yeah. And so, basically, she starts getting flashes, or you realize she's been having flashes of the future, because as she gets more fluent in their language and kind of immerses herself into their language slash their culture, if you will, she then starts to be able to view time the way they do. Um, so not only is she getting flashes of, of her her personal future, 
but she finds out that she's actually able to see things in the future that help her resolve the current situation. Yeah. And that's the part that you take issue with. So let's get into it. She gets her hands on a satellite phone, gets the president of China's phone number. I forget how she manages that. General. Yeah. And she calls him up. No, she gets it from the future. She gets the phone number too? Yes. Because oh. she says... She says... Give me your direct line or whatever. Yeah, like in, in the future scene, she says like, how did I have your number? And he says like, he gives it to Gave her. Gave it to you right yeah. now. Right. So there's a dual kind of screen set up here. So you see Amy Adams picking up the satellite phone. You know, everyone else in her camp's trying to like get her to shut up and get her to safety, threatening to kill her if she doesn't hang up the phone. And meanwhile, you have this flash forward where she's talking to the Chinese general months in the future. They're at this big event Years party. In the future, it's like a banquet kind of thing. Um, and they come up to each other. And yes, he gives her the phone number so she's able to dial. And then... Um, Tells her the one thing that would convince him to listen to her or to take her seriously. Correct. So in the present timeline, she reaches him on the phone and tells him this thing in native his native tongue um and that convinces him to call off the hounds and let the aliens live communication between the countries so your biggest issue with it is that if she had known that all along why did it play out like that or like why did he need to tell her And the scene in the future makes no sense. Like you just said, it takes place perhaps years into the future. Why not speed that process up immediately two days after? Tell her what she had to say. Like, well, why does it matter if she can see all, if if time doesn't linear, then, then it doesn't matter if it's two minutes or two years in the future. It just seems quite risky to rely on a little whisper at a dinner party, the entire stakes of the whole world. But it's already happened. You're still thinking. You're Ugh. still thinking linearly about being mad I'm about it being non-linear. I know, but I'm just saying, if if they're all happening outside of a of a timeline, then then she can just pull from any events. And my biggest my biggest um, kind of rebuttal is that yeah. is that she didn't realize that she could do this. Like I think later on in the movie, it's it's implied that she like can control a little bit of what she's seeing. Your feet are right into me. I'm ready to go again. <laughs> go for it. I, this is my central thing. It's the way that Amy Adams acts the futuristic scene with the commander. She acts surprised and confused when he gives her the phone number. She acts you know, unclear about what he's talking about when he whispers the key phrase to her. This is a year after she saved the world and with those things. My point is that the the Amy Adams we were seeing in that scene, the, the consciousness of her in that scene is the consciousness of Amy that's on the phone with him. Like, But her eye muscles and her face muscles are future or past, or which one? Just a mirage? No, I'm saying the Amy that's in that one is mentally... She's experiencing the 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 things non-linearly. So her from that phone call in that tent mm-hmm. is then her at that event, like is then her back at the tent. So two minutes before that event, she was herself and she knew the what the general had said and what was going to happen two minutes from now. And then when she finally shook his hand, she was back and passed Amy. Possibly. 
But it's not past and future Amy. They're all one Amy because it's non-linear. So still, she could have jumped to any time in the future. But she didn't know that she could have jumped. She couldn't control it at that time. Like her subconscious was like helping her out by jumping to that, but she couldn't control it because she still didn't quite understand the implications of, of what she learned or what she knew. She she in that futuristic moment would know what happened in the past she's not in the future it's like her current amy is the one that is in that scene with general zhang and then current amy goes back to current timeline from what we're watching it so so she's not linear she's not circular she's, not living she's her life she's moving along she's the not timeline. living her life linearly but her body her physical body has to but mentally she does not have to so she's, it's like that book that we read earlier, uh, Greta Wells, where the brain's jumping all over the place and the author never explains what exactly the body's doing in those times when it's not present. There's a body all the time with the brain it's there. The but same argument. Whether or not her consciousness is like what, in what order she's experiencing those things. But there is an order. You told me the aliens don't have an order at all. It's just all one thing. What's the deal? I have this I argument think, every time. I think we My got good stuff question out. on the rewatch was, could they have done the movie without General Shang? Like, because that's the part that you take offense to. It's not necessarily the time is linear. Yeah, I really like the movie up until the scene so with the general. do you think there's a way that they could have done it without the general? How could they have resolved the movie or let you know what was happening with Amy without having that, if you believe, like flawed logic part of the time. Timeline. Um if I was writing it, yeah, how would you I would it? have I would have had the aliens do or say something to change the minds and not had Amy be the hero, I guess. That's the whole point is that she's the only one that is fluent and that it, it wouldn't make any sense for the aliens to do it because then you wouldn't ever get the reveal of what the flashes that she's been seeing the whole movie what that means. Like it had to come from her to make that emotional impact work. It just loses all urgency. The aliens knew exactly what was going to happen. The one alien knew he was going to die. He had to die. The aliens knew that the hu some humans would rebel against them, and yet it would work out in the end. So you just lose all urgency about life. It's a terrible way to live. Okay. I'm all for linear. Stay linear. So you stay straight. So you don't want like a fixed future kind of. You don't believe in like determinism. What's it called? I, I don't even care if I believe fixed in it or not. Thing, like free will. Yeah. Oh, free will. My God. You're going to talk to me about philosophy class. You're going to seriously talk to me about philosophy class. You're so mad. That I almost walked out on because I was like having an existential crisis in the middle of a lecture. Freshman year? Sophomore year. Yeah. And I got to see on my first paper because I just refused to regurgitate the information. Fucking hell. <laughs> Death is not bad for the person who died. That was the thesis. We're not going to argue about this in the podcast right now. Oh, my God. It depends on your religious stance, I suppose. Oh but either God. way, because death isn't bad for the person that dies. Because if you if you believe that there's no afterlife, then the person's just dead, so they don't experience it. And if there is an afterlife, then the afterlife is presumably meant to be, in most religions, better. So... You, you would have gotten an A. I got a C. <laughs> That's exactly what they want you to say. Okay. My God. You're just a mouthpiece for them. <laughs> For your philosophy professor? <laughs> For the philosophy scam artists out there. Okay. Like, what I'm saying is, who even cares whether you believe in it or not? What's what's the benefit to believing in it? Believing in what? That your future's fixed and nothing you can do makes a difference. Like, what are you getting out of that? 
that you don't have to panic about the decisions you're making because they won't affect your future. I feel, I, I relate mm. to that a little bit. I've had a lot of weird deja vu since we moved here and it gives me like, it makes me feel like that you're means on the that right we're path. supposed to be here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <sighs> she should have known what he told her. She should not have been acting surprised. If they had gone, they could have had the final scene. If he just went up to her and said, you know what I need to tell you right now? And she went, yes, tell me. And he told her, I would have been fine with it. So your biggest scene, your biggest issue is how she acts in that scene. Like yeah, where she's like, acting. oh, what's he talking about? This doesn't connect at all. But it makes more sense with the emotional narrative and the journey that she's going through in that moment back in that tent. If if in the future she was all confident and was like, yeah, tell me so that I know for my future, it would take you away from that, like, oh shit, what's going to happen? Are they going to shoot her? Is she going to save the world? Whatever moment. If in the future she was just confident and super chill and like, yeah, tell me what I need to know because I'm going to save the world, then I don't think it would have had the same emotional impact. I think it would have like jarred you out of that scene. I got jarred as it was. Okay. To be continued. Okay. We're, We're not even going to talk about game theory because I had a whole thing to talk about about zero-sum games and game theory. Is this... And animal Okay, Sheldon but... Cooper, what are we talking about? Is that different than string theory? <laughs> yes. Okay. We're wrapping up. Okay. Agreed. If you want to talk about zero-sum games and game theory, uh, find me on Twitter. Oh, God. Okay. Lightning round, upcoming stuff. I got four. I have four. Okay. Um, In the Heights has a 2020 release for the movie now, and it has, like, a director and stuff, too. Okay. Go. Barry Jenkins is going to do the Underground Railroad, Underground Railroad for Amazon multi-part series. Meaning the Colin, um, shit, I'm going to scrub his name. Um, so not, yeah, the book. Um, okay. with the cover Colson Whitehead, sorry. The cover that's white with the black writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Barry Jenkins being the, uh, the Moonlight director. Right, okay. Yeah, cool. so it should be good. Cool. You go. Um, Rainbow Rowell is releasing a sequel to Carry On. Isn't it already called a sequel? Wayward Son in 2020. Carry on my way. Oh, Carry On's the one I read. Is it? No. No. What fangirl I read? Fangirl. Is what you read. It goes carry, Fangirl, Carry On, Wayward Carry On. Son. Right on that bookshelf over there is the one that you're going to so read. So she's writing more Harry Potter fan fiction. Kind of. I'm. You're going to read that. We're going to do that for... This is a promise, listeners. We're going to do that because I think that's a good one for Elizabeth. Special guest Elizabeth to do with us. Next! Go. Um, Billy Eichner has another new project. I feel like we talk about him like every three weeks, but I feel like I also have not seen any of his new projects. Yeah. This is an animated one where he's a time-traveling jerk. So just his normal self? Yeah. Um, did you see anything about the movie Hearts Beat Loud with Nick Offerman? No. It looks really good. It's kind of like indie... And I read an interesting um, article about how it basically has a lot of um, diversity in terms of race and gender and sexuality, but it's not like the point of the story. Like it's just it like a, just a normal story that just happens to have characters who are gay and, and biracial. Okay. Um, and Nick Offerman's like the dad in it, mm. and it sounded really good. Cool. You said you had four. Um, yeah, I have video games to talk about. Oh, okay. So, the big, um, video game conference just happened. So, sure. all the platforms, like, release teasers and trailers for their new games. Okay. Um, there's gonna be a Last of Us 2. Hard pass. Where Ellie has grown up and is this badass lesbian. Hard pass. Okay, agreed. I did not like the first one. 
More importantly, the, the developers one. of Witcher 3 <gasps> are are starting to promote their new game. I did not give Witcher enough credit until we started playing these other games, and I just want to go back and play Witcher again. We probably will. So it's it's called Cyberpunk 277. Okay. So like it sounds, it's a far future world, open world. Um, so yeah. Okay, intrigued by that. Um, my last one has to do with the Golden Compass, um, the series, the BBC series. Yeah, it's going to have James McAvoy in it. Yes, as Lord Asriel. Mm. And that made people think, like, first of all, he seems very young to be playing Lord yeah. Asriel. But um, it, there's a lot of people going, oh, who is they going to cast as Miss Coulter? Mm-hmm. Not I have Nicole Kidman. Kira Knightley. Oh, no. My mm. thought. Well, maybe. But that's not my thought. My thought is Rose Leslie. Um, she was most notably from... Well, she's from Downton Abbey, which we've never watched. No. But she's also from Game of Thrones. She was one of my favorite characters in the Game of Thrones TV show. Don't you think she could work? Um, yeah, potentially. And she's got like a British accent too. Okay. Don't you think? Like that one? Don't you think that could work as yeah. Mrs. Coulter? True. And she's got like the right hair and the right coloring for it. And she's got the right accent. I think she could, And she's a pretty good actor. I think she could be really good at it. Okay. Done with that. I cannot believe... What? ...that I didn't start off this podcast by talking about Darren Chris and Leigh Michelle. Yeah. Because I have a lot of feelings about it. Yeah, we're running out of time. And we're out of time. I have a lot of feelings that I can't go to. They're on their love tour. I have a lot of feelings about the fact that they're doing like a lot of covers and weird songs. Like I thought they were just going to do all of their normal songs that like I'm not a huge fan of. Like some of like the computer game songs and some Mm -hmm. of Leah's like solo stuff that I'm not like super into. And instead, like Leah has been singing coolest girl from star kid it's basically a star kid show i just like can't even handle and they've been seeing like glee covers and i just can't believe i can't go it sounds like everything i want would want it to be it's just like a fun like cabaret kind of show with the two of them like just playing like at a piano bar mm-hmm. and just hanging out and i want to hang out with them and be there and i can't and we already made enough ill-advised trips to different parts of the country yeah, in the past couple out. months that were tapped out and i'm just so upset about it okay I'm going to have a lot of feelings and I don't know what to do with them. Yep. <sighs> okay. We'll leave it at that. I guess we'll end on that note. Um, this has gotten horrifically long. It's not terrible. We've done worse. I told you it was going to be long. We, we covered a lot of topics. Four things. The title's going to be too long to even fit in the podcast app. Yeah. Um, so if you want links to all of the newses that we talked about, um, or the upcoming things we talked about, check us out on Twitter at DDGetDown. You can mm-hmm. check me out on Twitter at Heather324. Um, don't bother looking at Bennett's Twitter. Just check me out in general. Um, also make an account on Book Digits. Yep, yep, yep. And continue listening to us review and subscribe and tell your friends to listen. And love one another. And be kind. And um, that's about it. Good night. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. You gotta get down with the get down. Well now, get down, get down, er, get down, whoa, whoa, get down, er, get down, whoa, whoa. Maybe we can talk our neighbors into doing the same thing. Get down, get down, get down, get down. Get down.